Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Cannabis Man Podcast. Thank you for clicking on the show. I'm your host, Don Kleppen. And if it's your first time here, welcome in. This is a show where we're taking a journalistic look at all things cannabis. I myself am a personal cannabis user of about 18 years or so, and I work in broadcast journalism in Chicago. I do news anchoring for WGN Radio. I do traffic for iHeart, and I've done some various uh, broadcast journalism work over the last 13 years or so. And I just decided to combine my love of cannabis and and my skills on the broadcast side and make this podcast. And I like to talk with people who are in the cannabis space, whether those be entrepreneurs, people creating products or services that we all as cannabis enthusiasts get to use and look forward to using, or policymakers and leaders, people who are elected or appointed, who are part of government bodies in states that have legalized cannabis and are now responsible for establishing laws and frameworks for the future of legal cannabis here. Also talking with doctors and researchers, people who are looking in to answer the questions we still have about cannabis. As much as we do know about cannabis over the last three decades or so, uh, there are still new information coming out all the time. Things like terpenes, things like which cannabinoids are responsible for which symptoms. And all of that stuff is incredibly fascinating to me, and I like to bring those conversations to you here. I have one such conversation today with an entrepreneur who has made some excellent cannabis beverages, and those are becoming increasingly available across the country. Some of them are protected under the hemp formation law, so uh, in 33 states, you can order them online and have these beverages shipped to your door. Other ones that are not protected under that 2018 farm bill are available in liquor stores, including around Chicago at Binnie's. And then there's another brand of these drinks that are dispensary only brand that have a little bit more of THC and CBD, a little bit higher dose. So we'll get into uh, all of those later on with my guest, Phil McFarland of Warehouse Beverage Co. today. I also wanted to give you an update on the progress for my dry January, which is modified. If you don't know, uh, I've been doing my own version of dry January. No cannabis, no alcohol, no caffeine, no added sugars, and no meat. It's uh, January 18th when I'm recording this, so I'm 18 days in, and I'll give you a little bit of a snapshot into what it's been like for me. Also have uh, a news article that I want to talk with you about. Very uh, relevant, I think, to uh, discussions about cannabis today, as we're all waiting for news about potential rescheduling from the FDA and the DEA, down from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and scroll down and hit that support the show link. You can become a subscriber. You'll get an email from me. You'll get a shout out in the next episode. And uh, any support that I get from my listeners is greatly appreciated. Also, follow the show. See the updates all the time at Seaman Podcast on X and Instagram, the Cannabis Man Podcast on Facebook and YouTube as well. You can always reach me at host at CannabisManPodcast.com with any questions you have, suggestions for guests or products. Love hearing from you. And I love that you're listening to this show. And with that, let's get into this episode of the Cannabis Man Podcast. This is Tommy Chong, and you're listening to the Cannabis Broadcast. 
Yeah, there we are. Thank you for joining me today. I want to give you an update into my dry January. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, it's January 18th when I'm recording this, which means, thankfully, blessedly, there's only two weeks left of this dry January month. Uh, I passed the halfway point on Tuesday of this week. And for the most part, I'll tell you, since that first week, I've been feeling really, really good. I haven't had any... Uh, significant negative symptoms of withdrawal or anything like that. Those passed, I would say, two or three days in. The majority of those, if you're interested, if you didn't hear me talk about them before, it was caffeine withdrawal headaches. I had very sort of foggy thoughts, uh, cloudy and slow-moving thought processes for Tuesday and Wednesday at the beginning of the month, like the 2nd and the 3rd of January. I also didn't have much of an appetite that week, just not like my stomach was nauseous, but I I just didn't really feel that hungry, and I was debating that with some friends of mine, whether that could be attributed to the caffeine withdrawal or perhaps cannabis. That's something that is realistic in terms of my appetite. You know, cannabis is something I lean on daily and, and have, for the most part, over the last 18 years, and it's hard for me to find out which substances are responsible for which symptoms kind of a thing. I know that the withdrawal headaches were from caffeine. I know the foggy brain was from that. Um, I, I don't have really any problem giving up alcohol or the added sugars. I doubt any of the negative symptoms I felt were from lack of meat. As much as I am normally a, a carnivore, that's just not something. I, I've taken, you know, breaks from meat before for a week or two at a time, and it's just, it hasn't really come up at all. So, again, it, I sort of honed in on the caffeine and the cannabis uh, in terms of which are affecting me without them because I lean on them so heavily during a regular typical week. One thing I do want to tell you about is sleep. My sleep has been very different this month. Um, I've been sleeping more when I'm using cannabis. My typical sleep window is from about 10.30 or 11 to 6.30. And as strange as it might sound, I usually kind of pop up at 6.30, uh, ready to go for the day. I, I don't really need an alarm. Uh, some days I might go longer than that, but it seems like I'm pretty comfortable and settled uh, getting up at 6.30. Most of this month, uh, I've been waking up at like 8 o'clock. You know, my wife's alarm goes off for work at that time, and uh, I find myself laying in bed uh, at least for, may maybe I'm awake for 10 or 20 minutes, kind of coming out of the sleep, but so I've been sleeping more than I typically do, and also my dreams have been consistently vivid. This is something I've talked about before, and it's something I experience every time I take a, a tolerance break from cannabis. I know this has nothing to do with the other things that I'm abstaining from right now. When I take tolerance breaks like I did last May for three weeks before my wedding and, and bachelor party and all of that, um, I experience the same thing. Vivid dreams are very typical when I take time away from cannabis. And when I say vivid dreams, what I mean is they're just very sharp, colorful, memorable. They're, they're dreams that I don't experience when I am using cannabis. One of the things that, that I enjoy about cannabis is that it does help me seem to get down to sleep. But as I mentioned before, uh, there is increasing literature that suggests a relationship between cannabis and REM sleep. I am looking to talk with an expert about that, and I'm going to bring you that interview as soon as I conduct it. But in the meantime, I know over the years where I've taken tolerance breaks that this is 
something that I can expect. It's a little tougher for me to get down at night, and when I do go down, my dreams are active, vivid, and memorable. I can't say they've really been disturbing, uh, but they, you know, dreams are weird. Dreams are, are just strange things, and I think, you know, what we know about them varies depending on who you ask, but... Either way, it is a weird sort of adjustment for me to get used to experiencing and remembering my dreams every night uh, when I wake up and kind of throughout the week. But I can't say it's been unpleasant. Uh, I have enjoyed remembering a lot of my dreams, and uh, I will say I am waking up feeling well-rested. Uh, I, I get up, I do my exercise, I meditate, I take a cold shower for three minutes, and then after that sort of morning routine, uh, I, I love the way I feel, and I I've been enjoying the clear-headedness. You know, people ask why I've decided to do this tolerance break. Um, everyone, I think, handles their cannabis tolerance in different ways. And I also want to point out that when I talk about a tolerance break, I'm, I'm really talking about THC. Over the course of this tolerance break, these past 18 days, I have had two seltzers with CBD in them. Uh, nothing major, 20 to 30 milligrams, but uh, no THC. And I realize that there are some people out there who might feel like that is uh, failing the tolerance break. But I don't look at it that way. I look at this tolerance break as a break from THC specifically. Maybe there will come a day where some other cannabinoids, you know, I can ingest while taking the break from THC like CBN, CBG, THCV, some of these other cannabinoids that are responsible for other symptoms and whatnot. As this cannabis marketplace grows and expands, there's going to be products that come out that are targeting and offering these specific symptoms that we're looking for from the entourage effect of cannabis, whether you're looking for the munchies, if you need your appetite boosted, there will be products for that. If you need help getting to sleep at night, like I was just talking about, there'll be products for that. If you're, if you're looking for a little bit of creative energy, maybe some focus, there'll be some cannabinoid based products that offer those symptoms to you as well. On that note, one of the things that I've been doing, I talked last time about the alternatives that I've been leaning on while I'm on this tolerance break, because as I said, you know, cannabis is kind of my catch all for any unpleasantness that I'm feeling. It helps me get to sleep. It helps me deal with anxiety. It helps me feel better, like with my body after an exercise or before. Sometimes I smoke before working out and I like that added bit of focus. I like how how in tune with my body I am and I can really kind of focus with my mind on which muscle groups I'm targeting or if I'm doing cardio just going a little bit further and harder and stuff like that so I know that doesn't work for everybody but for me that's something that I use cannabis for as well so along with these other alternatives that I've mentioned in episodes past from this month I've been really leaning on various tea to help me get to sleep at night. Uh, I've been trying to avoid melatonin. I, I don't want to, you know, risk any kind of habit formation with that. Part of this tolerance break is I'm targeting a clear head, a clear mind, and I do feel like when I've used melatonin in the past, I do kind of wake up a little groggy. So I've just been avoiding it for that reason. But the tea that I've been uh, using, chamomile, honey with chamomile, peppermint, lemon, echinacea. There are different teas that, that you know are offered, and again, none of them with caffeine. I'm making sure all of them are caffeine-free, uh, obviously, not just because I'm taking the break, but that certainly wouldn't help me get to sleep at all, and after a couple weeks' break from caffeine, I would definitely feel that uh, if I've had it. So I make sure the teas are caffeine-free, and then I've been finding that chamomile really does sort of calm me down at the end of the day. It sort of leans into uh, just winding 
laying down and getting yourself into that sleep-ready state. Another thing to do, as I talked about last time, is meditate. I meditated uh, for 10 minutes before I jumped on here, before I had my breakfast, and I'm meditating uh, 10 minutes at night as well before going to sleep. I played a little bit of the bed that I used to, to meditate with last time on the episode, and if you didn't hear that, go back and check it out. I used an app called Insight Timer. It's free, and you can kind of go guided or unguided and just set yourself a little bed of noise, whether that be music or bells or nature sounds or whatever it is, but to just kind of have a bed of green noise, as I called it, with with nature noises or whatever, and, and occupy that sort of space in your mind, and you just focus on your breath or you focus on clearing your mind in through the nose... Maybe take a little bit of a pause there, hold it in, and then a slow exhale through the mouth. And focusing on your breath, where you can basically count during the inhale and exhale, or you can just try and hold on to a blank mind as you're meditating, that is something that I also find really helps me with with things like anxiety or, or headaches or also getting ready to sleep at night. It's a very interesting thing, but it's I sort of look at it now like maintenance for the mind, like I'm sweeping all the clutter from the front of my mind, the, the various anxieties and stresses throughout a day. Uh, in this case, when I wake up remembering my dreams, I'll go down and exercise in the building, and then I come back upstairs, and I meditate for 10 minutes, and I kind of, you know, try and wipe away the remnants from those dreams. Whatever thoughts came up during the exercise session, I try and wipe those away too. I, I think one of the things people get hung up about with meditation is that they feel like they can't clear their mind because the thoughts always come. I know I've heard that from people that their mind is, is too busy to meditate. And and my, my answer to that is that I think if your mind is busy, if you feel like that, you could probably use meditation more than most. And the goal, it's not to ever have a, a, an entirely blank mind for those 10 and 20 minutes as you're meditating. That's impossible. I mean, we all know that thoughts come un bidden into our brain throughout the day. You know, if you have a busy mind or even if you don't have a particularly busy mind as you might describe it, the the, the lizard brain, the kind of input that we're getting from our senses all day, as well as, you know, now we're plugged into social media, the internet, the amount of information that's coming into our brains every day is a lot more than our ancestors had to deal with. And so my point is simply this, you're never going to have a completely blank mind that's unattainable, just like perfection is. But the journey and the exercise of clearing your mind periodically by just focusing on breath and trying to focus and say, okay, this thought just came up, I'm going going to set it away now. I'm going to let that thought go and I'm going to focus on my breath or I'm going to focus on something that's neutral that just allows me to sit here with no thoughts coming and I'm going to try and extend that as much as I can. And then five, ten seconds later, another thought comes and you repeat that exercise. The exercise is the point of this meditation. It's the journey that matters and you start working that muscle of clearing your mind and you find you can do it more throughout the day. You don't need to sit down with an insight timer bed on for 10 minutes to clear your mind. You can just close your eyes and do one deep breath and kind of work on clearing your mind. And you might feel like that's a nice little reset uh, that gets you focused again or feeling better as you move through your day.
Tea and meditation, reading at night, those are things that have helped me uh, get to sleep a, a little more when I, again, typically lean on cannabis for that. I've been cutting myself off an hour or so before bed from social media. I try and stop looking at my phone. And about half an hour before bed, I get away from the TV. I, I go into the bedroom and I try and turn on the light and just read a bit you know, as I'm winding down. And I really find that that puts my mind in a place where getting to sleep is not so much of a chore. That being said, there were two nights this week where I woke up at like 1 and one thirty in the morning and really couldn't get back to sleep. And uh, so it's not perfect. You know, it's not like this is a, it's not like this solves all the problems. You know, I, I can't say that my nights of sleep have been undisturbed and just, you know, completely perfect. I have had some issues here and there this month, but I got to say sitting here on the 18th with two weeks left to go, uh, I, I'm feeling really, really good. And it felt much better this time time doing this dry January than it did four years ago when I tried something similar. I think that was maybe just because it was my first time trying it. I didn't know what to expect. I was still leaning so heavily on those substances in my routine that I found myself thinking about them or reflexively going back to that behavior or wanting to anyway um, for so much longer. For the first like two weeks, I kept thinking about caffeine and cannabis and such. And this time, after those three or four days at the beginning of the month, I've pretty much been clear of it and haven't really had much of a craving. They do come up, you know, I'm talking to people like I'm talking to Phil McFarland today about some great cannabis products and I really can't wait to try them. So when I'm talking with somebody about it like that, I really look forward to getting back to it. But, you know, periods of abstinence like this really sharpen the appetite. And I know that when I do get back to it, I'm going to enjoy it that much more. And uh, two weeks from today, I will be jumping cannonball style right back into uh, using cannabis and I and I look forward to that but I think that these tolerance breaks are worth it for a lot of different reasons people have been telling me that they do different versions of them where maybe you take one day throughout the week and you abstain instead of a whole month or instead of three weeks or whatever at one time maybe to help your tolerance a little bit you choose one day throughout the week where you don't use or ingest THC something like that that I think is reasonable and that might be some way of kind of controlling the tolerance a little as you go through your normal routine. But for my money, I think a period like this, maybe once a year, maybe twice a year, where you're taking a, a sustained break, um, it's not just good for the mind and the wallet, but, you know, the body too. You know, I, I think that we all have changes we want to make, and I think uh, tolerance breaks like this are really, really helpful for sort of looking at those and getting yourself ready to do so. Before we get into the interview, listener, I want to tell you about a new partnership that I've got that's launching this week. This is called Vouch Store, and I've partnered with them because Kevin Brandis had a great idea here who founded this. He decided he wanted to make sort of, you know, an Amazon, but for independent small businesses. And the products are some that I believe in from companies who I think have just just a great mission. For instance, I've got some products from a company called Split Rock Coffee, and I, I love the products. Some of the flavors here, breakfast blend, rich chocolate and caramel with a slight cherry finish, a combination of Chiapas Mexican and Brazil with a small percentage of Ethiopian in there. I've got a medium roast filter pack selection here, along with a 100% Colombian and some cold brew coffee specials there too. Split Rock Coffee is 
is veteran-owned, disabled-owned, and it's a company that I love their story, I love their mission, and of course, you know, I love coffee, and I think this product in particular is high quality. It'll ship right to your door. It's cold outside now. Maybe a great time to order these and just have them delivered, and you can have uh, some of these. There are individual packets, and there are bundle sales, which you can get access to right here as well. I've also got some cocktail bundles from Camp Craft Cocktails. These come to your door in a jar, and these instructions on how to make classic cocktails. I've got a tequila bundle. I've got an old-fashioned jar, some brunch punch, and a cranberry martini. These are things that obviously I'm not imbibing right now as I'm on this dry month, but I'm really looking forward to making some of these myself come February and beyond. I know I talk on the show about, you know, how cannabis is a great alternative to alcohol, and it is, but I do think that alcohol still obviously has a place in our society. I myself am a big whiskey, bourbon, beer drinker, and I like to drink those when I'm on alcohol and when I'm not doing a dry month, and I look forward to making some of these myself at home as well. So in the meantime, I've got a link down in the description notes there, Vouch Store, and if you want to head to vouch.store slash cannabis man, you can order these products for yourself and give them a shot. I really think you're going to enjoy them. Listener, welcome back. My guest today is an entrepreneur who has some very exciting products that uh, I can't wait to tell you about. You know that I'm doing this dry January modified, and uh, right now when we're recording this, it's the 16th, and I'm halfway through the month, so it's been 16 days of no cannabis, no alcohol, no caffeine, no added sugars, no meat, and uh, I gotta say I'm feeling pretty good, but my guest today has some products that fit right in with this sort of dry January, but not just in the month of January. If you're at all sober curious or if you're like me looking for ways to decrease your alcohol intake, uh, there are some cool cannabis products that you can use uh, as a substitute. And my guest today has some such products as well as some interesting tech that's allowing them to uh, abide by different states' standards to get their products into dispensaries. And here to talk about all of these exciting developments is Phil McFarland. Welcome, Phil. Hi, thanks for having me. Your products, the the brands that, that we were talking about, let's talk about Wink first. This is now available in Chicago, uh, not just dispensaries, but but liquor stores from what I understand. And it's a, it's a beverage option for people with THC rather than alcohol. Do, let's start there. Yeah, sounds good. So Wink is our original product. It's a low-dose cannabis beverage. We've got a two and a half milligram and a five milligram formulation. It started in the dispensary channel in 2020, you know, kind of really when this whole cannabis beverage movement was just getting its legs. And then recently with a a hemp-derived THC formulation, we've been able to take it also into, you know, more mainstream channels like liquor license retail. So Wink kind of lives in both channels and it depends state by state you know, where you can find Wink. Some states you can find it in both channels. If people are interested in finding, you know, which stores Wink is available at, is is there a website they can go to, like a store locator? Yeah, we have a store locator on our website, drinkwink, D-R-I-N-K-W-Y-N-K.com. Gotcha. Uh, and that can help them, you know, it'll point them to whichever type of retailer is nearby. Right on. So Wink is W-Y-N-K, listener, but yeah, drinkwink.com. Uh, I, I can't wait to try some of these. I, I'm, I'm so excited to hear that they were not just available again in dispensaries, but in liquor stores as well. I, I think, you know, 
most people still are probably more comfortable or at least it's part of their routine going into liquor stores and whatnot. So providing that for them where they are, uh, I think that's fantastic. I think particularly true for the lower dose products, like a two and a half and a five milligram, you know, your core dispensary consumer is looking for something stronger. And, you know, the real audience for that is people who are, you know, probably not consuming cannabis today, but interested in or don't even know they're interested in yet uh, an alternative to alcohol that kind of meets them where they're at. We talk about a two and a half milligram can being, it's kind of like drinking a light beer, like one can, not going to give you a big buzz, but two, three, four, and you're, you're starting to get somewhere. Uh, And a five milligram can is maybe like old fashioned or a double IPA, a little more punch, but you know, you can still have one or two at least. Right on. Yeah. And and I, I love, you know, um, my wife and I, we had a wedding last year and we had some, some cannabis beverages there. I think these alcohol alternatives, you know, you know, some people are into the mocktails with, with nothing in them besides maybe like some sugar or some flavorful stuff. But you, you touched on that. But, you yeah. know, some people not yet aware that they're looking for an alternative to alcohol. People have different reasons why they're looking for other options. If you're, you know, whether it's trying to get healthier whether you're getting older and just you know can't deal with the hangovers anymore, which I hear from lots and lots of people now, the appetite. I got a hand raised on that one. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, dude. I, I'm. I mean, I'm feeling that too. It's just, it's crazy to me how you know. Again, I think all of us go through it in your 20s. You can just throw them back, and then you're going back to class the next day or doing whatever you're doing without an issue. But you know, as, as life goes on, even a small amount of alcohol, the consequences later are, are just like disproportionate to what you can. And so finding these alternatives is is really, really crucial because A, it's baked into our social interactions and B, I think people do want um, some of that, you know, a substance to kind of, you know, make them a little looser, just feel a little better, take you into not such an altered state like a psychedelic, but a slightly altered state just to take some of the edge off of life. Mm-hmm. No? Yeah, no, agree. And I think also just that social habit of drinking your hand and, you know, kind of the consumption is part of the journey, having more than one can with your friends is, you know, I think that's like an existing behavior that people would love to have an alternative option in that setting. Yeah, right on. And that's why Wink is so exciting because like we said, it, it gives it to people where, again, they're familiar with. But, you know, you have another product which is more geared toward those of us who have a bit of a cannabis tolerance, who are in dispensaries all the time, maybe looking for a little more uh, of a kick in that regard. Um, can you talk about uh, Countdown? Yeah, Countdown is our... Uh you know, dispensary oriented brand, more kind of pure play for those consumers. We've got a 25, 50 and 100 milligram formulation. Um, you know, Wink is zero calories, zero sugar, very light flavor. Countdown is a little more full flavored, but still in the five to 15 calorie range, still pretty light. Um, the thing that I think sets it apart, especially as you get up into that 50 and 100 milligram, you know, potency range is it's an RTD that tastes great. A lot of the 100 milligram edibles and beverage solutions especially or small portions kind of choke them down to get your milligrams um and countdown is really designed as a drink you can get your milligrams and enjoy the journey uh which i think is unique yeah that 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 sounds fantastic i know that uh, a lot of my listeners will be very excited to hear that because you know as you were talking about with wink it's it, it is sort of that equivalent of a light beer but you know if you're working with a little bit of a stronger cannabis tolerance uh, i know a lot of people you know they're not they won't feel that the two and a half even like a five you know so something higher like countdown sounds perfect for that and i think you know the other bit we're trying to communicate in the kind of dispensary cannabis consumer channel is you know if you want 100 milligrams it's also fine to drink 425s over the course of an evening you know like these rtds can be 
you know, like the journey is the point. It's not just to like get this thing down, get these milligrams in museum. Um, and I think that's the piece that we also try to encourage is like, think about this in the same way as alcohol. This is, you know, like you can enjoy it over the course of an evening and get your total milligrams that you might want in a session. I think that's such a great point, Phil. I mean, it's it's sort of, I think that gets lost in a lot of the discussion. You know, people look at whether it's THC or CBD, whatever cannabinoid they're, they're focused on, you look at the dosage and I think people, especially with a high tolerance, they only look at the bottom line of like, okay, I'm, I'm going for 100 or I need 150 in this session. And as you just said, you don't, ne- you don't need that all at once. You know, you don't need to be like smacked in the face with one product and then you're just kind of dealing with that all together, especially in a social setting. I think kind of allowing right. yourself a couple of hours to work up to that point. Um, and as you said, kind of have a drink in your hand, you know, be at that social point. I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, the journey, like that's half the fun, right? Yeah. So we, we encourage people to enjoy it that way. And so uh, I, I'm curious, um, what, what what's your journey into cannabis? You know, what kind of got you started to form these products? You know, I've been working in adult consumables, I guess you'd call them, uh, kind of my whole life. Spent a lot of time in this hospitality space in Chicago as an entrepreneur and then joined in kind of the craft cocktails, craft beer space, um, and then joined a craft brewery in Chicago in 2015, helped them grow, you know, kind of went for that rocket ship ride from 2015 through 2019. And sometime in 2018, I got served like a vine pair ad or whatever the magazine is about like, these are the five best looking CBD drinks you should be aware of or something. Mm -hmm. And I just remember this being like, I wasn't even aware there was CBD drinks at the time, much less that some of them look cool. Um, And it just kind of like, grabbed me by the ears and got my full attention, you know, cause I was tired of hangovers and calories and having, you know, been in beverage alcohol for 15 years at that point. And I just kind of went down the rabbit hole of like, how are these made? Who's making them? Who's influential in the space? You know, early outreach to the people at Vertosa, they had just formed their company back then. And through, you know, that networking, I wound up meeting a fellow named Julian Cohen, who became chief innovation officer at Canopy Growth. Um, and wound up joining the product development team and leading the product development teams at Canopy for about three and a half years. And so that's kind of what really got me squarely in. And, you know, beverage was originally what caught my eye. But while I was at Canopy, I was lucky enough to work with about 130 cannabis science professionals. We had PhD breeders. We had PhD formulation chemists. We had PhD researchers asking the hard questions of like, what does CBG actually do? And at what doses? What does THCV do? And at what doses? What does CBD do? And at what doses? Uh, and sort of experimenting with those cannabinoids in a clinical setting so that we could formulate products that like did what they said they would. So I worked there for about three years. And man, I mean, it was just an absolute masterclass in all things cannabis, how to make products, how the plant works across categories. Learned a ton and really enjoyed being there. And then in this past summer, I had an opportunity to join the team at Warehouse Beverage um, and really lean into US THC beverage. And, you know, that was kind of my original passion back when this all caught my attention in the late 20 teens and you know super excited to join that team that's great that that's such a cool journey uh, and, and i can only imagine i mean you know I've, I've worked with startups before but but to be i mean a in in as you mentioned kind of like a craft brewery in chicago there's there's a lot of those here and and those journeys can be sometimes short-lived you know because it's just a competitive market and and i always talk about just like with restaurants you know it's it's there's a, a wide audience but it's it can be hard to tap into and um there's a lot of competition so i think it's cool that you got yeah. to be in that for 
for for as long as you did and then um you know be grabbed by those cbd drinks and kind of be able to learn as much as you did even now i think the cannabinoids you, you mentioned kind of cbg thcv and these things these still really aren't in like the uh the common vernacular in, in like the the public knowledge you know what i mean where, where they're just starting to kind of yeah. bleed out but it, it's so fascinating to look at this plant and whether you know if you're looking at the entourage effect how they all work together and as you said kind of at what doses um versus what each individual one is responsible for uh i, I just think that whole journey is, is there's so much to be discovered and it's really cool that you got to be up close and learn that yeah the the minor cannabinoids create a whole range of effects beyond what you get from delta 9 thc you know that euphoric high like it's pretty amazing how different some of the effects are yeah yeah uh like um i i understand uh cbg is i i believe that's one that's really helpful for sleep if i'm not mistaken uh, i think cbn might be the one that you're thinking of cbn sleep, yes uh, which yes. is kind of degraded thc cbg we found to give a little bit of a, a focusing kind of edge which i think is in line with you know kind of what a lot of people have heard THCV is the one that's actually most interesting to me. It's a much different experience. There's certainly like, and it's more of an energizing up, not quite as uh, euphoric and, you know, sort of sedating maybe as core THC, Delta 9 THC. Super interested in THCV as like personally as a consumer. Yeah, that uh, just hearing you say that, that sounds like kind of more in line with the stuff that when I am consuming, that's kind of the line that I like to lean toward. You know, I, I prefer mm-hmm. whether, whether I mean, in the base, you know, product labeling, it's sativas and I always go toward those, but just that up energy focus kind of that you're talking about. I work in creative spaces. I like to uh, ingest during my work day and stuff. So I don't yeah, look for yeah. things that are going to bring me down and kind of, you know, spread me out or whatever. It's more about up and focusing. And I love that there are some, you know, products now that are starting to cater specifically to that. Yeah, same. Uh, I use it in the same way with the same goals. And I think you'll see more and more products that kind of deliver that effect over time. That's that's exciting too. And and so, you know, you mentioned that you 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 have this this tech that allows you to sort of figure out products and, and let them fit into the various state by state markets because as I've talked with guests even very recently about, you know, every state right now still is kind of its own island in terms of cannabis laws. You know, there is no interstate commerce. Right. Everyone has their own rules and um, you know, there are groups that are working to uniform these standards that, that that want states to start adopting specific standards. But as of now, states are still kind of left up to do it their own way. And so uh, if you can talk a little about the tech that, that the company has that allows you to make sure you're abiding by these different state laws. Sure. So I think the biggest challenge with cannabis beverage is that beverages are hard to make. The facilities are large. The, you know, the machinery is expensive. It's CapEx intensive. And, you know, coming out of the brewery world, I worked for Half Acre in Chicago. I thought I saw a Chicago on oh, your T-shirt. So yeah. You may know the Daisy Cutter beers. Yes, uh, but I love Daisy Cutter, Half, Half Acre. Acre had to build, we had to build a brewery in every state we sold in. Like, insane. We would never be profitable. And that's kind of what the cannabis beverage model has been. And so what the team at Warehouse Beverage, and, you know, full credit due to Angus Rittenberg, our founder, you know, kind of an engineering whiz. First thing they built was they called it um, the Weed Wagon, I think. But basically, it's an entire beverage production facility on the back of a flatbed truck, including the canning. So the blending tank, the CO2, you know, the filling and sealing. And then 
you know, you would pipe in THC from the partner in state, you know, with the emulsion in line and, you know, finished goods with THC and it would come out the other side. So they would bring, instead of having state by state partners building, you know, a canning line and a blending tank and all this stuff, we would bring that to them. Um, so that was kind of our 1.0 tech. And that's really how Wink grew really rapidly into about 12 states in 12 months. Our 2.0 tech is even more compelling. Our parent company is called BestBev. They're a big beverage co-packer. They produce sparkling waters and alcoholic RTDs, all kinds of things. Um, and so we have this manufacturing capability. And we have a proprietary tech where we put a little grommet in the bottom of the can. We fill the cans, you know, with the carbonated water and the flavor on these high speed, quality assured, you know, for good steels and seams and all that stuff. Uh, we fill them undosed on our high speed lines at BestBev. We bring those flavored, you know, water cans with the countdown branding or the wink branding into a dispensary market. And then our 2.0 tech is a little kind of four by four machine. You flip the cases upside down, feed them into the machine so that the grommets are facing up and there's little uh, kind of like needles they would use almost to fill a vape cart mm. that engage with the grommets and they inject the THC on site. Wow. And so this little four by four machine doesn't take water. It's like 120 volt plug. You know, you could run it like in a field, basically, if you had a generator, like could not be easier. Um, that sounds incredible. And three people can crank out a couple of pallets in a day. Yeah, it's, it's quite cool. That gosh, that that is just. I mean, you know, as you said, to do this with a like a if it was you know, like a beer, or it's like to do it at a brewery would be like I, I can't imagine it. Doing like brewery tours and how huge that equipment is, it just seems like impossible. Right. But the, the convenience right. of being able to have it like on the back of a truck, or just as you said, run it in a field with this with the new two point uh, just hooking up to a generator. I mean, that is really exciting and sounds like some incredible developments. It is. And I mean, what you get out of it then is with the, the high-speed canning lines, you get scale, which, you know, beverage absolutely requires scale. And in addition to that, we also get, you know, just a much higher level of quality assurance. Like the seams are good. You're not going to have squishy cans. The carbonation is going to be right. The flavor is going to be consistent, batch to batch, state to state. Um, and that's a huge, you know, difficult challenge in beverage that we kind of get out of working in this way. And then, you know, the final mile in each dispensary market is just getting that THC in the can which, you know, the machine that Angus built and designed makes that pretty, pretty differently, pretty easy for the final mile. Yeah, that's, this is fantastic. And so now obviously you guys are in multiple states, you know, I'm, I'm here in Chicago. And so, you know, I, again, like seeing Wink at, at these uh, liquor stores and stuff is great, but um, where sure. it's, it seems like what other states can people find these products in right now? So the first thing I'd say is we are for sale online at drinkwink.com. You can also buy and have it shipped, you know, you'd have our hemp derived formulation of Wink sent to your house. And that's, that's available in about 33 states. So you'd have to kind of hop on there and see if the state you're in allows it. But you know, we're in most, I would say 33 out of 50 ain't bad. Right. Um, and then on the distribution side, we can actually go out and find us in a physical retailer, be it a dispensary or a liquor store. We're in 12 states. Three of those are dispensary only. So nine are, you know, you can find us in liquor stores. And then some of those you can find us in both and dispensaries then, and liquor stores. Okay, cool, cool. And then for the for the countdown, I'm just me- I, I mentioned you guys you guys have a store lo- locator for Wink. Is there a dispensary kind of locator for Countdown as well? Countdown drinks. 
Countdowndrink.com. Countdowndrink.com. But uh, that's very that's very exciting. I, I love that. I'm glad you guys you know have just an ability, an easy thing online for for people to go find it. So uh, as Phil said, listener, you can just uh, hey a head to your local dispensary. Uh, Thirty three states is pretty good, but also uh, you can I mean being able to order wink and just have it shipped to your door again if if the state allows it. But I'm assuming that that's because wink is uh, sellable under the farm bill. Is that right? The hemp drive formulation is. That's right. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, that's so. So that's one of those products, listener, that you can just place an order for if this sounds interesting to you, and hopefully it'll be able to just be shipped right to your door. Uh, and, and I love these kinds of developments. Uh, I, I just think that this this world that we're all you know headed into, uh, and and some companies at higher speed than others, and it just seems like uh, Phil, what you're doing uh, with with Wink and with Countdown, and I, I can only see this over the next few years, hopefully, just reaching all fifty. I think so. And that's the piece I'm most excited about with hemp derived formulations and kind of this different access to market. You know, like when I worked at Canopy, watching Canadian data, watching US data, like we're not growing the category. We're not seeing a lot of new consumers come into cannabis. And I think it's a challenge for the industry. Like we're not growing the pie. We just got more and more people fighting for the same size pie. Mm. And what I think this mainstream access to cannabis drinks does is a, normalizes it in a meaningful way. Like if I'm in Illinois and I can go buy this at Binnie's, like stigma just went down 10x. Yeah. Uh, which you can, by the way, you can buy Wink at Binnie's. That's great. And then as these, you know, the stigma goes down, more people have access, they find how cannabis fits in their life. Some percentage of them are going to find that two and a half isn't enough, five isn't enough, and they'll find their way in the dispensary channel for, you know, a more potent edible. Um, and so thereby finally actually growing the category, bringing that stigma down, bringing more people under the tent is only going to feed more people back into the dispensary channel as they look for products that suit their needs which I think is exciting. Totally. I, I, I think that's a, such a huge point and, and good on you, Phil, for kind of, you know, sort of spelling it out that way because I, I talk about on the show all the time about how we're still trying to kill this lingering stigma from reefer madness and, and from just the last century, all of that negative propaganda. Uh, it, it still is rooted in people's fear of cannabis today. Some of the things that we hear from congressmen and, and just these arguments against it, you can just tell how backwards they are or, or how uninformed they are and rooted directly from that misinformation. And being yep. being accessible in places like Binnie's, as you mentioned, but when people are just going to be walking around and sort of seeing these products uh, on store shelves in their lives, you know, as you said, that that right there, that ubiquity of access, that, you know, pervasiveness of it being around where you're just seeing it in the peripheral or whatever, that stuff is yep. what lowers the stigma. That's what makes people more comfortable with using these things. Fully agree. Um, you know, it's end caps at Total Wine. It's on the shelf at Binnie's. You know, it's dragging into the mainstream. And the nice thing that we get along with these mainstream conversations with distributors, with retailers and with consumers is an opportunity to educate and like teach them, Hey, actually this is what THC does. And, you know, start to sort of pull back the curtain and wipe out some of that old, you know, reefer madness sort of urban legend or whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't call it, you know, not fact-based beliefs. Maybe right. That's the right, way to say it. right. Yeah, totally. Totally. The fear mongering is what I, what I say, you know what I mean? Just the, 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 yeah motivation behind why that happened. It's just, you know, it, it's it's more or less about control is the only thing I can think of. But I, I just think that this world yeah. that we're in now 
it, it's so exciting to, to just be in this place where right now it's state by state, but you know, we're all waiting for the FDA's announcement, DEA, hopefully rescheduling anytime. 2024 looks like a big year for this. And, uh, yeah. As as something something like that would only just bring this wave of support and normalization just crashing to a whole new level, uh, and and yep. the products that you guys have going here, um, I, I think they're doing you know uh, they're playing a big part in this normalization as well. Um, and like I said, I I really look forward to trying these things and talking more about them. Yeah, no, thank you. We're excited too. You know, I think the example we look to is Minnesota. You know, Minnesota's adult use regs create a specific carve out for beverage and edibles under 10 milligrams in liquor licensed retail. Anything inhaled, anything more potent than that will go into their, you know, adult use dispensary channel to come. And to me, that's like pretty common sense legislation. Like that's a nice way to, to break up the framework and, you know, sort of make the two channels help them coexist. Clear reason for being for both. And, you know, we, we've got a lot of hope that we'll see more states go that way. Right on. Yeah, I, uh, that's fascinating to know about. I know that Minnesota is a, is a more was a recent addition to the legal states. And uh, I, I always I find myself so fascinated. Minnesota does seem to be a very common sense state with a lot of their policies. And I think that's so great that it extends to their cannabis laws, too. Yeah. Yeah. Unique in what they've done. But we certainly hope to see others kind of see how it's succeeding for them and, you know, follow suit. Right on. Well, well, I, again, I'm excited to try these. I, I can't wait. And, and listener, I'll tell you about them once I do. But in the meantime, if you're interested, uh, like I am, you can head to drinkwink, W-Y-N-K.com and find out which store nearest you it's located. Or as Phil mentioned, you can just see if your state allows it and have it shipped right to your door. It's pretty cold out right now. Why not just have it delivered? Uh, and uh, and also uh, countdowndrink.com to, uh, to find which dispensary it's nearest you as well but uh it seems to me like we're all going to be seeing these brands a lot more over the years to come and and thank you so much phil mcfarland for the work you're doing uh creating these products and thanks for coming on today talking about them yeah enjoyed it man thanks for having me really enjoyed it my pleasure all right man take care There you have it, listener. I want to thank my guest again, Phil McFarland, for jumping on of Warehouse Beverage Co. Uh, As I said, you can head to those websites and try and order their uh, protected hemp-formulated version right to your door. It's protected under the farm bill. Or just head to your local liquor store or dispensary and look for Wink, W-Y-N-K, or Countdown at the dispensaries if you're looking for a little bit more of a cannabis kick. I haven't gotten to try these yet because obviously I'm doing a dry month here but I'm really looking forward to them. I've already got some products here at home that I'm looking forward to trying as soon as February 1st rolls around, and I will tell you my thoughts about these once I do. Finally, listener, one last story I wanted to tell you about this week. There was an article that came across my feed that I thought was really uh, poignant for this time. I've mentioned that 2024 is a pivotal year for the future of legal cannabis, and we're all, you know, we have been for not just weeks, but months, even over a year since President Biden recommended rescheduling of cannabis based on the Health and Human Services Secretary's recommendation. And we're all just waiting for the DEA to say that they will reschedule cannabis from one down to schedule three. And there's an article here that I think is really telling about why, unfortunately, they may not do this. As much as we're all excited for them to, as much as we all want them to, I think there are reasons why the DEA wouldn't do it. And the title of this article is 
reschedule cannabis or abolish the DEA, says physician. And this article examines the 50-year-old trillion-dollar agency. Uh, I will not go through the whole article, but I think there are some highlights that I wanted to say here. The DEA turned 50 last July in 2023, marking five decades and over $1 trillion spent in its unsuccessful attempt to enforce the Controlled Substances Act via what is widely viewed as a failed war on drugs with a focus on cannabis. Recently, you may remember I brought up an article where the DEA made it clear that that body alone itself had the, quote, final authority to schedule, reschedule, or deschedule a drug under the CSA. Julie Holland, a doctor, psychiatrist, MDMA and cannabis researcher, and a medical advisor to the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, she put something out on X that I think is wonderful. She said this will be the third time that there will have been a recommendation to the DEA to make cannabis schedule three. Twice they have refused. If they do it again, abolish the DEA. Holland wrote that in a tweet, and I could not agree more. I I said it last time on the show. The American people have final authority on what these governing bodies do. I know that we don't elect members of the DEA, but we elect members of Congress. We elect members of the White House. We elect members of other governing bodies, and we can call these people. We can email these people and tell them, hey, we are dissatisfied to the point of revolting with the current status of cannabis as a Schedule One drug. Now, the article goes on to outline some history, starting with Richard Nixon's watch in 1970 that initially created the Controlled Substances Act that classifies drugs and sets criminal penalties for possession, use, and distribution. A 2016 Harper's Magazine cover story gave some details about this, and some of those included quotes from John Ehrlichman, who was in President Nixon's administration. He was a top advisor to Nixon, and he did an interview in 1994, and in that interview, Ehrlichman was asked how the U.S. got entangled in a drug prohibition policy that, quote, yielded so much misery and so few good results. Ehrlichman responded, and I know this might not surprise you, but it's still always really cringy to hear, responded that the Nixon White House had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. And then it goes on to quote Ehrlichman. We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. He goes on. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. End quote. The policy put the U.S. on a punitive path led by the DEA that resulted in disproportionate drug arrests, mass incarceration, and the decimation of many communities across the country, and it continues to target minority communities. That's all I'm going to read. You get where this is going, and I will share this article, which I encourage you to read the rest of. We know all this to some degree, but again, very discouraging to just read it there in black and white, to read a quote from someone who was a top advisor to President Nixon when all of this reefer madness was still in its heyday. You know, I talk about the propaganda and the lingering stigma here, listener. This is what we're talking about. This is literally just 50 years ago, one generation from right now. And these thoughts, this work that they did vilifying the drugs night after night on the evening news, 
how they fear-mongered and associated these drugs with certain undesirable traits or behaviors, whatever. That was intentional. And the results of that propaganda are still alive and well today. And it's really unfortunate because, as I said, we all want this to be rescheduled. It seems like, you know, this should have been a foregone conclusion almost 100 years ago. You know, the fact that cannabis was prohibited in the first place, it's absurd. But I just want to bring this article to light because, as as it says right here, the DEA has been asked to do this twice before, and they have failed to do so. They've refused it. And they just put out that statement saying that they alone have the power to do it. And I got to say, as I mentioned in an episode previously, why would they go against their own self-interest? Why would they say, hey, you know what? We don't have to enforce policies over this particular drug, cannabis. We'll just focus on fentanyl and we'll focus on heroin and all of those things. No, no, they're not going to do that. They have a vested interest in keeping their power as it stands, in keeping the status quo as it exists. And so as much as we all want this and as much as there is momentum for this, it certainly seems to me like the DEA may just do exactly what they've always done and refuse to reschedule this, which obviously would be a criminal act. And I would totally agree with Julie Holland here that if they do it, it's past time to abolish the DEA. And that's something that you can absolutely let your representatives know about. That's all I've got for you this week, listener. As I said, I'll share that article and I'll also link to Warehouse Beverage Co.'s website so you can find Wink and Countdown if you'd like to look. And I will talk to you about my feelings about those products once I give them a try in February. But I want to say thank you so much for listening to the show. As always, I really appreciate you tuning in and being on on this journey with me as we chronicle and chart all the changes of legal cannabis in the U.S. and around the world. You know, even though I was just going through that negativity with the DEA, we can still be optimistic. We still hold on to the fact that we have the power here. We, as the American people, have the ability to change our representatives. And if these representatives won't hold the DEA to the fire in order to get them to acquiesce to what the American people want, we can change the representatives to people who will do what we want and get this to where it should be. As I said, if you like what I've done here, make sure you subscribe to the show. Scroll down to the description notes and hit that support the show link. And follow us at Seaman Podcast on X and Instagram. Go on Facebook, The Cannabis Man podcast youtube as well and follow uh, all the clips and the pictures that i put out of products and updates on episodes and guests and all of that stuff but thank you as always for listening i really appreciate it and be well and safe out there stay warm in this crazy cold this winter is uh, already off to a pretty brutal start and i'll be back next week with another episode of the cannabis man podcast bye-bye Cannabis Man is 100% originally crafted by myself, Don Kleppen. Original theme music written and composed by Yusu Kim, a.k.a. Goodson. Son.